Welcome to the Teeth to Toes podcast, brought to you by TMJ.today. I'm Dr. Curtis Westerson, and I'm a general dentist that treats TMJ problems. And at the TM, at the Teeth to Toes podcast, at the Teeth to Toes podcast, we're trying to bring information to both patients and to healthcare providers about what's happening in the body and in the jaw and how that may be relating to your patients. And we're very lucky today because we have a co-host, a Kira Shulton, who is going to be talking about the uh, layperson type questions that she may have, so I don't start to nerd and out. And also but. keep you from making too many bad jokes. Oh, I can't make bad jokes. I like making <laughs> bad jokes. Some. They're dad jokes. Uh, but we're, we're also going to have this other person, a Dr. Jeff Shulton, and he's the upper cervical chiropractor, the new chiropractor that I use to help treat patients. Um, now, Kira and Jeff, husband and wife, um, so but they get along really well. So this is why we've got them both on today. And today what we're going to be talking about, um, I'm assuming, Kira, uh, today what we're going to be talking about is um, injuries. Injuries to the head and neck, how that affects the jaw, injuries to the, um, the, the capsule or the TMJ ligaments that are all important, and how that can show up in a patient, how that can get misdiagnosed, and what patients can possibly do with that. And so I introduce Dr. Jeff Schulten. Jeff, how are you doing today? Fantastic, happy to be here with you. Um, so the talk I wanna to have today with you, Jeff, is how do patients who had um, in the past, uh, or maybe in the near past, long past, near past, acute injuries and damage to the sort of the connective tissue, the tendons, the ligaments, the fascia, maybe the structures themselves, how does that affect what you see with a patient and what we do as far as treatment goes? Well, the, what you're talking about, I think, is, is um, severity of an injury. And, um, you know, in our, in our diagnosis, uh, criteria, we're going to be looking at injuries and we're going to be grading them, typically grade one, grade two, or grade three type lesions. And um, you mentioned you mentioned a number of different things. You said muscles, tendons, fascia, all these things uh, operate together. You know, there's, there's not a, a muscle that really doesn't cross a joint. Um, muscles connect one bone to another bone. And um, and they allow them to either move closer together or they allow them to slowly move further apart from each other, these bones. Ligaments basically check end range of motion and they're really important for stopping too much motion in a joint. And if you injure a ligament, it's called a sprain. And if you injure a muscle, it's called a strain. And then you've got fascia that's all around all these muscles and ligaments. and. Um, 
really helps us be upright beings. Um, as long as we have continuous motion, the fascia kind of serves as, as um, pulleys that uh, slow the distortion and make the muscles and ligaments have to work a lot less hard. And so, again, we're not necessarily given an anatomy class here, but when we're talking about these injuries, some are a lot harder to see on imaging than others are, are to see on imaging. And, and, um, and some are a lot more severe than others. And you can't, unfortunately, fix everything that's been broken. You know, the challenge is that sometimes you've injured something badly <coughs> enough that, that that is not necessarily going to be uh, able to be healed uh, adequately to any of our satisfaction. The so bigger that, challenge that we see is that any soft tissue that you injure is probably not going to heal to be what it was before it was injured. And so that injury has, you know, our greatest hope is that we heal it enough that you can cope with whatever dysfunction or, or injury is still left and it doesn't meaningfully negatively impact your life anymore. It's not something you notice anymore. I think that that, that reminds me of that, that analogy of taking the piece of paper and scrunching it up really hard as your injury and then you can flatten it and you can almost even use an iron but it'll never look like it did before it was scratched up that's right Good that's point. a perfect example of a great one spray excuse me that's right. <clears throat> now i've learned that um in in my profession that when a ligament or a tendon or fascia or a muscle um is chronically injured <clears throat> the one of the ways that they heal in some people is they calcify and so we see some of these ligaments or tendons calcifying um, as they've been chronically strained now I take it that an acute injury if it's not really dealt with can become this chronic strain or sprain that can calcify and start to limit function so we actually see patients that have had accidents a long time ago over time have lost function is that something that you see as well it sure is especially because we deal with the upper neck exclusively and the upper neck is probably the most mobile area of the spine one of the things that happens when you injure the upper neck 20 30 40 years ago is that you're going to get bone deposition to try to stabilize the area and so when soft tissue is stressed it thickens and eventually bone might be put in there that's that's called davis's law the soft tissue and and the same with uh, with bone it's called wolf's law and sometimes that can be really helpful it's the reason why if you do resistance training throughout your life you'll have better bone density when you get a number of trips around the sun down the road than if you don't do resistance training it's an important thing that's wolf's law putting bone density down and so sometimes that can be really great. So when you injure yourself and there's a scar that's created and that scar is kind of a splat of a tissue called collagen and uh, that's put down in all different directions but as you use it, the areas of stress thicken and the areas that aren't being used go away and are resorbed and then that thickens and heals that tissue to be able to deal with more stress. And that takes about 18 months to be fully complete in most people. And, um, and so it can be really positive. 
But with all things that can be good and bad, positive things, it, um, you know, it can be bad. If it's a dysfunction over an extended period of time, it can, it can be overdone. And now it can create its own pathology, that dysfunction, when you have the bone down. And it's called osteoarthritis. And uh, spurs or osteophytes that are forming that are trying to stabilize or, or help that area can make you more vulnerable to injuries in the future, like a, a light whiplash injury on somebody that has a lot of osteoarthritis, degenerative disc disease, um, facet arthrosis, uh, those kinds of things. Yeah, that can, that can make you much more vulnerable to that injury and, and have a lot harder time healing. So an injury, when a person's going into a motor vehicle accident, they're living their life and then suddenly there's this acute injury. If they go into that motor vehicle accident being healthy and having biomechanical balance and function, they're probably going to come out of it um, with less damage than somebody that's going in with, that's got some head neck strain, some head neck issues. They're going to come in uh, that accident and come out worse for the wear, so to speak. Is that the case? A hundred percent. I mean, we call it in, in our language, that's primary, secondary, or tertiary prevention, right? And so the prevention is obviously something that you're doing ahead of time. So primary prevention would be creating a circumstance where you're unlikely to have a problem. And secondary prevention would be sort of limiting the um, uh, long-term effects of that problem. And tertiary prevention would be sort of minimizing the effects because the effects are always going to be there of a problem. And so if you're going to decide to get into a car accident, it'd be really great for you to be extraordinarily agile, balanced, and, and uninjured and uncoping. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So even Is though- there anything else? Oh, I was going to say there, <clears throat> it also reminded me of the fact that about the um, headrest. I think it might just be a good time to pop that in there. Nobody plans for a for a car accident, of course. So if you could be in alignment and um, be in the best shape that you possibly could be, I think that's always the best thing for everybody, even if they're not anticipating a car accident, which we never are. But there's just one other little piece that I think is also important and I just wanted to maybe have you touch on for just a quick second that is something that we can all do that can help minimize an injury from a car accident. That's great, Kara. That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. So. You know, the research suggests that about 50% of us don't have our headrests adjusted properly in our car. And, um, and so it's a really simple thing for you to do is to make sure your headrest is high enough. So the top of your headrest should be around the top of your head and there should be enough room between your head and the top uh, and the, and the uh, roof of your car so that if you were happen to be in a rear impact collision, if somebody hit you from behind, that you, as you slid up, wouldn't have a downward impact on your head and that the headrest would be in an appropriate position relative to your head. So you want it as close as possible to the back of your head and you want it as high as possible really, but for sure above the center of gravity of your head, which is about a couple centimeters below the ear hole that's here. So you want your headrest in the top third, but ideally up to the top of your head. And just one other piece that that reminds me of that, uh, that many people don't know is if you're sitting at a light and you're seeing in your rearview mirror 
that you're going to be rear-ended. You see a car that is unlikely to be able to stop. Most people don't know what they should do in that situation. And so the key thing is to use your feet, put your feet on your brakes and the other foot on the floorboards and push your hips all the way back into your chair. Push your head all the way back into the headrest, which is hopefully because of Kira's suggestion today, adjusted to the appropriate height. And then get your hands off your steering wheel. We want your hands off your steering wheel because if you're holding the steering wheel, you're gonna get injuries to your shoulders. You want your feet on the brakes so that the crush comes into the car and you don't hit another car or you don't get pushed into traffic to be hit again after you're hit that first time. So the car, newer cars, they all should have wonderful capacities for absorbing the force of an impact, which is called their ability to be crushed. And so you want your hands off the steering wheel and your feet on your floorboards, pushing your hips back into the, into the chair with your head back against your headrest so that you can be injured as little as possible. Primary prevention. So great point, Kira. That's uh, excellent. So even though those old cars from the 50s look cool, they're not cool without the headrest. So. Yeah, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't understand is that they think they get in a car accident and their car was damaged and so they feel really terrible about the bill now that, you know, it's a $4,000 bill to fix their bumper or something like that. Or, you know, the, the idea is that if your car was damaged, that's damage that didn't have to be absorbed by your body. So be thankful for your car manufacturer to have manufactured a car that your body didn't have to <laughs> absorb that force. If your car got hit and there's no damage on the car, that means it's probably you who had to impact, who got the impact, and, uh, and that's, that's gonna be a lot more impactful in your life over time uh, than your car being crushed. So, so Jeff, give me, the, I get this straight. I'm five foot seven, and you are uh, five foot 15. Um, <laughs> so, so if you're in my clown car, um, you're probably not gonna be able to get that headrest adjusted. And, uh, and so I'd be better off in your clown car and your your nice your nice car as opposed to mine. So Jeff, the way I talk to my patients about this is, I say, look at this is where the accident happened. Now they may not have been terribly healthy just prior to the accident. They may have been coping all their life until the accident. And they may have been fine just one second before the accident, but after the accident, they're all kind of messed up. So when we look at treatments, we're, we can't just bring them back to the way they were just before the accident and expect a lot of success. What we have to do is bring them back to where they don't need to cope as much so they can heal. Is that kind of what you think of as well as this process? Yeah, precisely. I mean, what, what we've had is up until where they had the accident in, in your um, example there, they've been coping reasonably well. Some of them just don't have a problem. Now, I mean, when somebody hurts their back picking up a piece of paper, it wasn't the piece of paper, right? So what happened? What was wrong? What level of dysfunction did they have at that time and up until that time? that didn't allow them to pick up a piece of paper without injury. 
And so it doesn't always have to be a car accident, but a car accident would be a really huge event, whereas picking up a piece of paper would be a tiny event. But the thing was, and what you're explaining, I think, is that that entire asymptomatic time, it's not like they didn't have any dysfunction. They could have been the 30% of kids who were misaligned at birth. They, they had dysfunction. They were just able to manage it and keep the pot from overflowing. You know, and so then when you're trying to fix that, you're trying to help somebody who hasn't just been able to heal because of all the dysfunction, you have to control all these different dysfunctions and try to get them to a reasonable spot to allow the body to heal adequately. It's a really big difference when you put a little pebble in a shoe and a foot that has no injury to it versus putting a pebble in a shoe where there's already a blister. Right. right. Could, could it be equated to? So, I agree. so for you guys to have to to be able to really help the person, the equivalent of you know the accident was a straw that broke the ca- broke the camel's back. So you don't want to just remove that straw. You got to remove a whole bunch of other straws as well to be able to allow them to actually heal. That's so, wonderful, Kira. I love that. I love that. Um, I always tell patients nothing ever good comes from a motor vehicle accident. Like you don't go into a motor vehicle accident and suddenly you can come out and you can never play the piano before, but now you're <laughs> a pianist because you had the motor vehicle accident. That That's not reality. That never happens. You always have some limitation that comes from the injury. And the best we can do is try and mitigate that injury continuing to cause a downfall. Would that be about the same way that you talk to patients, Jeff? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the the last straw that broke the camel's back, the back is now broken. (laughs) Yeah. That's a problem, right? And, uh, you know, I have patients come in and and the most important thing is to understand what they're trying to achieve and and make goals that, that are achievable. And I have a patient who's just uh, going to start with us soon, who's referred from another chiropractor who had been working with her for, for a couple of years since the car accident. And, um, you know, she has uh, her biggest, she, she just basically in the visual diagram, she colored in her entire back and her arms and her legs and her face and her head, right? And everything right. hurts. And so it's like, okay, so now that we're going to start, like, what's the biggest issue of all these issues that you have? What's the, if one thing could change, what would make the biggest impact? And so for her, it was her neck. She said it was her neck and her neck goes down into her upper back and it hurts up into her head. And so I said, okay, so then when we start to heal, we go a little down the road and healing's happening. How are we going to notice that that's happening? What are, what are we going to see that that we can tell that that's happening because you have so much pain everywhere. How are we gonna know that things are going in the right direction? So we try to set goals that are, that are step-by-step goals in that direction so that we can recognize that. So one of my patients, they just didn't wanna scream in the morning in pain when they woke up, right? Another one wanted to be able to push the brake in her car without intense stabbing pain into her low back. So then we can recognize these, these things and down the road even though maybe things aren't perfect because you got a lot better and your life's okay but at least you're not screaming in pain when you wake up anymore and you're not 
you don't have that sharp pain when you push the brake. So we've achieved success here at some level. And you know, we all want to help everybody with everything. And if we had a magic wand, we just play it and it would all be done. And some patients, it feels like that because we make such a huge impact. But I think Curtis, um, the one that the ones that inspire me the most, and I think are the same for you, are the ones where we're learning. That we're not. It's not just easy. It's not just we're putting the last piece of the puzzle in place. But in fact, we're trying to figure out what are the things that are needed, and we're trying to learn ourselves so that we can understand that. And that's how we met each other, and why we interact like we do, because yeah. we know we can help more people together. It, and and that's exactly right. It's it's looking at things. Um, one of the issues that we've in the last couple of years we've discovered is that every time somebody has an airway obstruction in their throat for their breathing, that increases the amount of body inflammation that's present. And even though they may not have the accident didn't cause their airway issue night and day, it actually creates irritation and inflammation that delays their healing and that just adds to the problem where we see somebody not getting better and there's an overriding factor that's slowing us down um, in getting them better so all of this is is really interesting and and it kind of shows that um, as patients are suffering, they need some type of intervention or some type of help. It's going to be different with every single patient, but we're just basically trying to get some structural support in their bite, in their neck, in their body, um, so they can begin to heal. Um, and, and that's our main goal as practitioners trying to help these patients. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, so many patients are told after they didn't heal at a time that was uh, appropriate. You know, we know if you injure yourself, it's gonna take time to heal. We know it takes 18 months to, to heal a grade three sprain, for instance. You know, you blow a disc out in your back. We know it's gonna take 18 months for that to heal completely. We know that after eight weeks, the soft tissue will have healed enough to support normal day-to-day -day activity. And we know that then you can pace up your activity or slowly increase up your activity till six months. And by about month eight to 10, you're not gonna have any restrictions at all. Um, and, and yet the healing is still ongoing. And so right. one of the problems is that when people don't follow that prescribed pattern and, and their clinicians aren't making the difference that, that they wanna allow that patient to make under their care, then a lot of the time it starts to be, oh, it's all in your head, nothing's here, look, your MRI's clear, uh, there's no problem, you just have to learn to live with this, you have to not be so anxious. If they're not, pretend you have a problem. You Do you want to have a problem? Why do you want to have this problem? And patients come into us completely traumatized by those kinds of almost abusive questions and, and uh, sure, there's a couple people out there that are probably malingerers or people who don't want to heal, but the vast majority of people, they just want to heal and they and they don't have the things uh, put together to allow them to heal. And, you know, we talk about the biological component when we're trying to align things. And very few dentists are trying to align the bite. Very few chiropractors are trying to get the body 
balanced. We would all agree that that's how it should be, but when it isn't, is our focus of treatment actually to do that? And are we able to do that for the patient? And many people aren't. And so they're, they're still able to help people, but when they're not able to help somebody, then it must be about the patient. I, I think that's really important. Sorry to interrupt, but that's what, what you're getting at is the compassion, I think, is really, I think both of you do that well. And, and the understanding that it takes time, this is not a fast process, healing from injury or a motor vehicle accident or any other injury, but to really give the patient the feeling that they are, are, are okay. It's okay to not still be okay after this amount of time and, and give them the reassurance that they, they just have to give themselves time because otherwise they're prone to re-injury, right? Like that's, they're going to set themselves back more when they're told that they should have already recovered, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, if I always say to patients, if I could hit you on the head and say you are healed, um, I wouldn't be in dentistry. I have a tent in Alabama and I'd be trying to do miracles, but I'm just a lowly dentist <laughs> trying to help. I mean, I can only do so much. So, but, but there's, that's there's why I need not enough like, can be said yeah. for, for giving a person and just, just the ability to understand that, that it, it, that they're, they're okay and they're on the right path, I think. So true. So true. So, thank you very much um, for joining in the Teeth to Toes podcast. Uh, uh, Kira and Jeff, I really appreciate it. I think we've covered a whole bunch of topics on this podcast that are very helpful for people who are suffering and have had injuries. Um, we need to have more podcasts to come about so many different subjects. But for today, I want to say thank you very much and for joining me. Um, you guys have been absolutely wonderful with all the information you've been giving us. Happy to be here. Thank you. Bye.